0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the second episode of The Theory Audio. It is a very, again, a cloudy Friday morning, March 19th, 2021. I'm Kendall Guess, and this is The Theory Audio. Today we will be talking about health communication and the importance of advocating for yourself. It is a common occurrence in today's society that doctors often misdiagnose and uh, mistreat their patients. So the ability for patients to advocate for their uh, needs and their physical well-being is extremely important. Um, can uh, y'all elaborate on that a little bit?:
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just important in general because people could get the wrong diagnosis like you said, and that could lead to them not being properly cared for, their needs not being really met, um, and in the long run, what was really wrong with them not being addressed, and that really negatively affecting them in the future.
2: Yeah, just like I was saying, I think it's just about recognizing that you know your body way more than any other doctor would.
0: And so that is the uh, conclusion of our introduction. Uh, We will hopefully have an interview for a very special uh, guest later uh, today. Um, And thank you for joining us on the Theory Audio. society, one of the most important uh, health advocacy discussions to have is the possibility of susceptibility to uh, having cancer. Cancer is obviously a genetic thing that passes down from generation to generation. Cancer is one of the most serious uh, of the diseases out there. It uh, has no known cure, uh, just known treatments. So getting those uh, benefits of treatments is very important. So advocating for yourself uh, if you have the possibility of having cancer is very very important. Levi? So,
1: so yeah, so one really uh, useful tool in determining if you, your needs are being met and if you're getting the proper treatment is the health belief model. Um, when being diagnosed with things such as cancer and other various diseases or illnesses, the health belief model is a really useful way to be able to determine if you're really getting the proper treatment. Um, so what the health belief model aims to do is describe when people are most likely to engage in a health-related preventative behavior. That can be some kind of therapy medicine uh, etc you fill in the blank there is a belief with this model that the negative health conditions can be avoided and that if you get the proper treatment and receive that then it can be avoided so yeah claudia would you mind going more in depth of the health belief model and telling us like the different steps and what it aims to do
2: yeah the different steps are perceived susceptibility perceived seriousness perceived benefits perceived barriers and cues to action. Just like Kendall was saying about cancer, cancer is genetic, so perceived susceptibility would come into play when a person acknowledges their risk of getting cancer and how high or low of a risk that is.
0: Yes, so it is very important that if you go to the uh, doctor's office to explain uh, to them uh, your susceptibilities, whether or not that you have a genetic uh, history of your family having cancer, whether or not that you uh, work in a work environment that is susceptible to having cancer, Um, so it is very important to advocate for yourself and tell the doctor exactly what is going on in your life. Claudia?
2: And this goes into perceived seriousness, and this would refer to the negative consequences an individual associates with an event outcome, such as the diagnosis of cancer. They may not be ready to accept that diagnosis because of the gravity of the situation, so they need to really take matters into their own hands and how serious they're going to be treating their illness.
0: And cancer is one of those uh, diseases that does not have a known cure, only known treatment. So it is a very, speed is a very important thing in this instance. Uh, The uh, longer you take to advocate for yourself, the more serious cancer can become and the more untreatable it can become. Claudia?
2: And with those negatives, there are some perceived benefits to treating your diagnosis. And this would refer to perceived benefits. This just refers to the perception of the positive consequences that are caused by a specific action with like taking matters into your own hands again and just realizing that there are some benefits in how you can be treated and how you can treat yourself
0: this also leads into some of the benefits of uh, actually advocating for yourself getting the right treatments uh, getting the treatment at the right time and being able to surround yourself with a, a good supporting cast of doctors family members friends uh, people to help you uh, get through this hard time of uh, cancer or any other disease in this instance
2: yeah and then that goes to the perceived barriers and this just would refer to a patient's feelings on the obstacles that come with performing a recommended health action and that just goes with acknowledging the tribulations that are going to come when you're about to do something with your illness whether that be surgery or treatment or just going to the doctor for a different checkup
0: and you will be experiencing uh, barriers and obstacles at every level Uh, going to the doctor's office um, getting the correct treatment uh, getting the correct treatment at the right time uh, learning how to uh, deal with the uh, seriousness of having cancer Uh, so the barriers are very important to overcome in order to uh, receive the perceived benefits
2: yeah and once you overcome those barriers that's when it's time for the keys to action and that's basically just the stimulus that's needed to trigger the decision-making process to accept that you need a health action and just going forward with it.
0: Yes, and uh, obviously these cues to action is uh, taking action, uh, taking action uh, to get the correct treatments, and just uh, taking action to uh, uh, end this uh, terrible disease and live a better life.
1: Yeah, and like Claudia and Kendall both touched on, um, this is something that happens all the time all around you. I mean, if you asked any loved one or close person to you, they've probably had some experience where their needs have not been properly met by a doctor or just they have not been properly diagnosed. And so this is a really common issue um, and it's not addressed nearly enough. And so it's important to know things like the health belief model and various other tools that can help you actually advocate for yourself and make sure you get the proper treatment. Okay, so to close out this segment today, we're just going to interview someone who actually works in this field, and someone who actually has real-world experience with things like this. This person's name is Jen Dorman. She works for Harding Academy's athletic department. And after this ad, we will be right back.
0: special guest Harding Academy's Jen Dorman. Jen Dorman's been working at Harding Academy for the past year and she's going to give us some examples and some helpful tips on health advocation. Levi?
1: Yeah so uh, Miss Jen the first thing I'm going to ask you is so when you're in a situation where maybe the patient doesn't feel super advocated for or their needs aren't being met exactly uh, how would you prefer them to really communicate that to you like what what do you think is the best way that they could say that
3: Mm, that's a really good question and it varies for every single student athlete that i see i have some student athletes that are very outgoing that trust me almost immediately and almost here too much information not me (laughs) and i have other athletes that are very shy that i literally it's like pulling teeth trying to get them to talk to me Um, and so the easiest way to say is just hey i need to talk to you when you get a chance I'll clear the room when I can, and we'll close the door and we'll talk, because this is a safe space. That's not always easy. Um, I try my best to read body language as well, because that gives it away. Um, But it's hard. It's hard for a kid to want to trust adults, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, Adults uh, can be scary. Like, teenagers and and middle schoolers, they, they they don't know that they can talk to us about things outside of school, and so it's hard. So the best way that I prefer is they just say, Miss Jen, I really need an ear. I really just need to talk, um, and I think that's the the easiest way to start a conversation with me. When I and that's and I also know at the same time, okay, this is a conversation that needs to be done alone. Mm-hmm. This isn't a conversation I can have with seven other kids.
1: Right.
3: Um, so that's and that's really easy for me to say, for me to just say, hey, I need an ear to talk. But that's the easiest way, or yeah. shoot me an email, or shoot me a text. Right. You know, something mm-hmm. that's not like. Yeah. other kids won't see it other kids won't hear it you just get it and be like okay you know right so
1: and it shouldn't have to be that complicated I don't think either so and good it's not and,
3: and and being <coughs> being from where I'm from I was a shy kid I was a shy teenager I didn't want to talk to anybody ever about anything yeah that had to do with anything <laughs> and when when, a, when an adult approached me about anything outside of like schoolwork, <laughs> I was a deer in the headlights you know, I never really had an adult that I knew that I could trust outside of my parents. Luckily, I have a very good relationship with them. But not everybody is blessed like that. Not everybody can can have that relationship. So as a kid that, sh- that was shy growing up, just knowing that this is a safe space and trying to treat them as an equal is so important to me. And yes, sometimes I have to take that stand of, yes, I'm the adult. Yes, you're the teenager. But I'm also going to treat you like an equal until right. I can't. Right. Until I have to change. Right. Just because I've noticed in my in my career that it's the fastest way for me to gain trust mm-hmm. is if I treat you like an adult. Right. Right. Thank you, Ms.
0: Jen. Um, are there any specific examples of you can say that a student athlete has uh, advocated for themselves and uh, been getting a good fit from
2: that? Um,
3: there's some sticky situations, you know, that that some family problems that I that I have been told by other kids, and that gets sticky. That that gets to be like, okay, are we venting here, or is this a situation that you want me to step in? You know what I mean? Because there there is a legal, um, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, obligation that if a kid says, you know, I'm being beaten, not necessarily like you know you got a whooping I got a whooping you know but if it's worse than that then okay we need to have a conversation this needs to go to the next level but then again if it's just like I just need I need a mental health day like what do I do here like how do I tell coach I can't come to practice today because like my anxiety is so just through the roof because of tests or grades or whatever it is my maybe my boyfriend just broke up with me maybe maybe you know mom is thinking about moving you know little things like that Mm-hmm. so there's definitely different extremes here right i've heard i've heard it all you know what i mean yeah I, i've heard well, I broke up with my girlfriend this weekend and it 's been really rough too you know my dad beat me this weekend because he got drunk and mm-hmm. what do I do so right. there's definitely been some extremes, but for the simple fact they're able to come and say that to me is the first step. That's the first step in my, in my head. Mm. Now, if we go into, like, a simple situation, like a mental health issue, like anxiety or whatever, panic disorder or anything like that, where they're just, like, mentally so drained they can't do anything and they don't feel like they can talk to their coach, I take the ball and I say, go home and I'll handle this and I'll talk to your coach. I, I've been very blessed in my career that probably 98% of my coaches, I don't have to do that. 98% of my coaches, I they they totally get it and they're like hey just come back tomorrow mm-hmm. you know be a better you tomorrow do what you got to do tomorrow yeah. um but every once in a while I have that one coach that's just like it's not a thing and
1: mm-hmm. that's why i have
3: to step in and be like hey
1: it is a thing it is yeah because
3: <laughs> yeah. mental health is extremely important to me right. especially right now presently with a pandemic mm-hmm. with all these kids that didn't get their spring season this is their life this is y'all's life you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so for me, I see that. And some coaches don't see that. They just see another season, another day. And so sometimes I have to step in and be like, hey, we got to bring it down a notch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These, these kids are more important than just, you know, okay. these kids are more important uh, than just a body on the field. So, But thankfully, I've been blessed. I think Harding Academy is great. They, they do a great job of advocating for their students. Mm-hmm. And the kids do a great job. So far, I've only been here less than a year. and they advocate to me on a yeah. daily basis.
0: So. Yeah. Thank you, Miss Jen. Obviously, Miss Jen is an amazing athletic trainer here at Harding Academy. We are very blessed to have her. And, uh, uh, Miss Jen, thank you for being on the show. And uh, that is all for today uh, on the theory audio. Uh, see you next time from Kendall Levi
3: and Claudia Ruthie.